Welcome back. It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammered, 1017 thehammercom I am Jared Jessalitis. You can always text the show, 765-447-4080. Love to hear your comments. All right. Uh, when we pray at the altar of football, college football, this guy right here on the line is uh, the head priest in that temple. That's why we bring in Tom Deanhart of GoldenBlack.com. Uh, always a great guest, and with so much that's been going on. I, look, I know they're done with spring football and everything right now, Tom, but, I mean, uh, there, there's a lot going on with uh, not just Purdue football, but the college football landscape as a whole continues to be shifting right below our feet. Um, I, I, so much going on here. I almost don't know where I want to start. Uh, can, can we start with this great article that you put up here uh, uh, yesterday, today, on Mo Amande, the uh, West Lafayette product, where... You know, I, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, he's great, but the size and, you know, Purdue uh, made him the offer. He's here, and to, to listen to your article, he is defying expectations, isn't he? At first, as the high priest here, Jared, I have to know, what do you want to confess to me first, buddy? Look, I just don't want you to rip my heart out like that guy from <laughs> Temple of Doom. That's all I'm worried about, man. No, you're right, Mo. Boy, I tell you what, you talked to Mo before. You've seen Mo play. I mean, wow. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, a big part of the story was, uh, you know, we asked Mo in the spring you know, about how many schools he thought maybe sort of told him he wasn't tall enough to play big-time football, and I think he, he, he said the number 20. So uh, that may have been a conservative estimate, you know. Had Mo obviously been six foot five, you know, I think he probably could have gone to Notre Dame or USC, uh, fill in the blank with blue, a blue blood program, but even though he's, you know, six foot, you know, he's 285, Jared, and he's up. He just has that nonstop motor, you know. Um, uh, he's a wrestler, came to that sport late in his career, but my goodness, you know, he, he shows that power, that explosiveness, can get under your pads. And uh, just a guy who, uh, like I said, plays with a, with a quickness and a tenacity that uh, I know defensive line coach Mark Hagan loves a lot. So, you know, Jared, he was one of five early arrivals this spring for Purdue. And uh, I don't think it's an overstatement to say of those five, Mo was the most impressive. Wow. That's uh, that's some high praise right there. I mean, uh, there's good guys in that camp, and uh, that's that's pretty darn impressive. Um, yeah, Joe Strickland, Brady yeah. Allen, J.P., Dieter Zion, Steptoe, um, some four-star guys in there, obviously. But like I said, uh, Mo showed he belonged, Jared. And I think this fall, he's probably going to have a role. Um, I know we just got the, the transfer from, from Penn State, Cole Brevard, who's a defensive tackle. But uh, I think Mo's a guy that's going to get on the field and maybe play, you know, 10, 12 snaps a game. Let's talk a little uh, Aiden O'Connell. Uh, what a big thing for him. He's going to do this Manning passing camp, it sounds like. And that, that that's, a, that's a super big deal. I mean, I, I saw... Um, He's making some magazine covers and everything too. He ain't the under the radar guy anymore. He's he's getting the uh, publicity now. Is he the kind of guy that's going to be able to handle all that? Oh, I, I, you would think so. You know, this he'll be a sixty-year player here, and uh, he always struck me as an awfully mature kid, uh, sort of wise beyond his years. Just from all my interactions with him the last few years, um, level-headed and calm, cool, and again mature. So I think he can handle any publicity he gets. And, you know, any publicity he gets, I think he really deserves it. Um, 
crazy to think he didn't start. He didn't become the starter until, what, the fifth game last year. He ended up being the consensus second-team All-Big Ten quarterback. Um, I know David Bell is gone. We all know that. But there's still a lot of weapons there, Jared. And that offense is going to be built around his right arm. And most suspect he's in store for a big year. It's going to be a lot of fun just watching him throw the football around ross Stadium this fall. Uh, Again, I think it's probably as simple as Purdue's going to go as far as he can take them this year. Talking with Tom Deanhart, GoldenBlack.com, here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. You know, the NCAA, Tom, uh, they're, they're trying, Lord, Lord help them, they're trying to do something when it comes to NIL. They're moving rules around and stuff. The Houston nut rule is gone now, too. Um, you, you've been writing a lot about this kind of stuff where with this landscape changing as fast as, as it is, uh, what you I think you even posted something up here about you know coaches and coaching staffs getting bigger and the rich getting richer. How is the NCAA doing right now and trying to remedy what I think are some inequalities right now created by the transfer portal slash NIL in combination? Well, I think you know they're the, as an organization <clears throat> they're running scared. You know they're they, they've had plenty of days in court and they've all ended in defeat. And it seems like they're afraid of any rule they really push. It's going to get challenged in court. They're going to get sued, and they're going to lose. So they've acquiesced on a lot of things. And I think, you know, a lot of things make a lot of sense to acquiesce on, to be honest with you. Um, the, 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 the script has flipped so suddenly and so abruptly in college sports um, that it's, it's almost dizzying and it's confusing uh, with all the change and whatnot. It, it's difficult to comprehend and embrace. And swallow and adjust to, to be honest with you, not just for fans, but obviously for administrators and coaches and whatnot. So you talked about the expanded coaching staff. That looks like it's a rule that's going to come. You know, right now, uh, these Power Five conferences here, you're limited to 10 assistant coaches, full-time assistant coaches. And it's going to, it's going to become a case where, hey, man, Jared, you can hire as many coaches as you can afford. So uh, I think, uh, you know, that's been a radical change we saw recently, too. The change to the initial uh, initial qualifiers or initial offers rule, where schools no longer are going to be limited to, to signing 32 players max per year, you're going to be allowed to assign as many people as you need on an annual basis, as long as you get to that 85 level overall. So that that's been a radical change too, and we, we all know about the transfer portal change being a huge one mm-hmm. with the needed eligibility, and of course to NIL. That's been a big one. Purdue's still trying to adjust to that, Jared. They've got they've got some mechanisms in place for to to, to help student athletes with NIL, and the Boilermaker Marketplace being one of them. Um, the issue with the collective, though, and that, that's what's really created a lot of buzz across the country. Does Purdue have a collective? Well, uh, I, I spoke to Mike Bobinski last week about that, and they're having conversations. And he told me they've spoken to two collectives. He said at that point last week, Jerry, there was one that looked a little bit more promising than the other. So maybe we'll see the launch of some Boilermaker collective here at some point this summer, I'm guessing. Remember, the university can't really be affiliated with that at all. They, they can't run it, organize it, or set it up. But you can get it all involved. Like, you know, we're, we're involved in this. It, it just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, you got to yeah. suspend belief that uh, that there's no university contact with these folks in any way, shape, or form, which 
you know is probably not going to be true. And then the university can't be affiliated with it, you know, whatsoever. I mean, I'm kind of I'm lying to myself. I, I I get it, but at the same time, I have to lie to myself to believe that everything's you know, no matter who it is, Purdue, the SEC, or what. It just you have to know that improprieties are going to exist across the board somewhere. Yeah, they, they, they certainly are. There's no doubt that they're taking place. They have taken place and will continue to take place in various schools across the country. Uh, schools have, have decided to uh, to react to this news in, in, in very different ways, obviously. Purdue's way right now is a lot different than what we were seeing in Nebraska and Miami, Texas, and a lot of these other schools. Um, they're just not going to play that game. You know, NIL is not supposed to be about recruiting inducements, and that's what that's what it sort of boiled down to. The thing is, Jared, there's nobody watching the shop. There's mm-hmm. nobody that's going to stop you at the door and say, hey, you can't do that. So it's, it's a free-for-all. And uh, there's no fear of repercussions or reprisals right now if you do use NIL or these collectives as, as a means to induce recruits to come to your school. That's, that's the reality of it. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's the reality. Do you want to play the game or don't you want to play the game? So, uh, and I think, you know, if you read enough stories, Jared, the NCAA came out, what, last week and said they were going to try to develop some mechanism of enforcement, but we've seen that just laughed at. Yeah, uh, I, they'll probably sell you some, they'll sell you some beachfront property in Idaho, too, yeah. I think, when they say things like there's, that. There's just no, there's just no way to, to enforce it, no. What to, to really prove anything. So, again, we, we've heard the term wild, wild west used a lot to describe what's going on right now with NIL. And these collectors, and that's what it is. And uh, where it all goes, I have no idea, Jared. Um, it's going to be really fascinating to see. Uh, I've got my level of anxiety, believe me. Um, but you know what? For too long, I think the, the player was uh, was at the disadvantage here in this whole arrangement. Uh, we've just seen, uh, like I said earlier, the script flips so quickly and suddenly that it's been shocking to all of us. See. And I had this thought while I was gone on paternity leave. This is when the Jordan Addison stuff leaked. Uh, three, yeah. three some odd million dollars, and then you know a, a home, which Lord knows how much that costs in Southern California um, to to get him out of pit. And there's the tampering charges and all that stuff. And I had this thought, to, and I'd love to hear your take on it too. Is I, I think a majority of fans were excited and okay with the NIL and, and kids being able to do some TV deals, some brand deals on their social media, do things like that. But it dawned upon me is, now that everybody's getting upset about the way this is going, are we upset that the kids are making money, or are we just shocked at the amount of money that they're getting? Like, if you know we lose out on a point guard for $25,000, is it that big of a deal, or is it the fact that we're paying, you know, somebody paid him $800,000, or that a wide receiver is getting $3 million, which is more than what his quarterback, who was a front runner for the, you know, was a guy that almost won the Heisman Trophy, is going to make in the NFL? Is it just the dollar amounts are so high, and that's what's upsetting people? Or is it still like, eh, you know what, I just, I, I thought I was in on this NIL stuff, now I'm not so much. There's always going to be a segment of people out there, Jared, the, uh, who are going to shake their fists and yell at the clouds and, and, and wish it was still, you know, 1954. And all, just playing for good old state, you is good enough for you. So there's always going to be that group that doesn't like it. Let's be honest, Jared. The, the guys have been getting paid for years and years and years and years and years. <laughs> there's been money under the table for years in college sports. Oh, yeah. We're just, we're, we're just seeing it all play out before our very eyes. We're seeing how the sausage is made, as people like to say. So, so there's that. Uh, 
Are players getting paid too much? Hey, Jared, you're, you're, you're paid whatever you're worth. And, um, you know, whatever you can get, more power to you, right? Uh-huh. When the school wants to pay you that, that's, that, that's fine. I have to think at some point maybe all this is going to settle down. Um, there seems to be a buying frenzy right now. It's a shiny new toy and there's hysteria going on. I think, again, after we settle in here, things will, things will start to, like I said, settle down a little bit. And, you know, what's going to happen, Jared, to, uh, you know, when Nebraska's got 15 transfers, there's, there's a lot of scuttle, but they are paying guys as inducements to come there. But, I mean, after a while, what if you sign a check to, to get a defensive end from Texas Christian you pay half a million dollars, and the kid, the kid kid's no good? The kid, you know, he's, he's not playing. Maybe he wants to transfer again. What then? I mean, what's the guy who wrote the check going to think? Next time he's asked for money, um, how's the money going to affect guys who are already on, on the roster, Jared? The guy who's been there three years is yeah. also a defensive end who's a valuable player. Maybe he ends up being a little bit better than the guy who got that big check. How's he going to feel? How's he going to play? What's his attitude going to be like? So then there's a lot of other dynamics that I think um, that are, that are going to go on here that are going to be very interesting to watch moving forward here. Um, it's too early to jump to big conclusions. Like I said, this is all very new. Um, let's see where we're at in a year, if not soon, with a lot of this stuff. But I think that's, you know, with the big blow up with Saban and Jimbo Fisher this week, I think that touches on exactly what Saban's biggest fear is because he used to be that guy that could roll in, you know, flash the rings, the smile, and could sell you on Alabama, and that's all he had to do. Now, you know, were, were guys probably getting paid in that program? Eh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. But now he's got, I think, two things to worry about. You touched on one of them. Having unhappy players because somebody new comes in and, and gets that money. And two, yeah. I, I think the other thing that most of these coaches, and of course Matt Painter, you know, has experienced firsthand, is nobody wants to recruit a guy, have him on the hook, ready to reel him in, and somebody shows up with a checkbook and takes him away from you at the last second, leaving you with a pretty big void. I think there's two fears, and I think that's what the college coaches fear the most is screwing with the team chemistry and then being left with a giant void because you couldn't sign, you know, a six, seven figure check for somebody all of a sudden. I tell you what, I think the quicker we can just just dump this whole charade, right, about, no, it's not an inducement, it's really an NIL. Let's just dump, the quicker they can dump that charade and move toward being what this really is all about, it's pay for play, Jared. Let's just, let's just come out and say it's pay for play. Let's go ahead and, and try to, hot, we, 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 I think the best, the best solution would be to really professionalize this. I don't know if, I, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of canes you open up if, if, if you let the players unionize. I understand that they become employees, then you can fire them, then you can also collectively bargain with them and come up with maybe a salary cap, say, which would bring some structure to it. To me, I think that, that, that's what's crazy right now. There's no structure at all. Um, <clears throat> players aren't bound to your school at all. They don't sign contracts like the pros, the pros in the NFL do. Um, again, then there's, there's a bottomless pit of money that can be spent. There's no salary cap. So, again, right now we're, we're playing the same game of charades that's always been in college sports for eternity. People are trying to skirt rules left and right. It becomes a joke. They can't be caught. There's a little enforcement. Why not just do away with all this garbage and, again, just make it pay for play and come up with some type of a structure? Um, again, how that happens, Jared, I have no idea. 
But if I was a coach or an administrator, I certainly would like to have some type of framework. I knew everybody was working from, and there weren't these lopsided, unfair advantages that some schools are enjoying because they don't really want to follow the rules at all. I think, Tom, we'll, we'll get there once the schools can start quantifying that. I'd like to see the numbers in five years of donors who are now giving to the yeah. collectives instead of to the university, and then they start to see that shortfall. Boy, I, I, I bet you they finally get on their horse and come up with something then. Yeah, there's only so much money to go around right now. Some schools have a bottomless pit of money like Texas and Texas A&M. They can write checks from now till eternally. But not every school, on all schools like Texas and Texas A&M. And the other thing, Jared, not to get off on a big tangent here, is every other sport at these schools are basically subsidized by the football team. Mm-hmm. There's no swimming team. There's no cross-country team. There's no volleyball team. There's no baseball team. There's no track team without the football team funneling money and, and, and supporting and subsidizing those sports, Jared. Without that money, those sports can't exist. Who's going to pay the bills? So that's something else that's going to be really interesting to watch moving forward here. Uh, what's the future of Olympic sports? If if in some way these, these athletic departments and football programs break away and just license schools' names become like an LLC and they keep all the money for themselves and they don't have, they're not sharing it with the rest of that athletic department. And, again, that's, that's an argument or, or something to consider and debate going down the road. But I think that's a real fear here is uh, where this could go and how it could impact, you know, a lot of those Olympic sports, which I said, Jared, would not even exist at the level they do without football money. There's no trips to Boca Raton to swim during spring break. There's no half a million dollar a year women's basketball coach. On and on we go here. Um, and that all happens basically because the football program can, can, can make these millions and millions of dollars every year. Tom Deanhart, GoldenBlack.com, one of the smartest guys I know on this stuff. Uh, you should be uh, definitely be a subscriber over there because he writes some really great material and uh, he keeps an eye out on this thing. Large picture, too, and, and the small one with Purdue. A lot of stuff to uh, chew on there, Tom. Buddy, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, enjoy that Memorial Day weekend. You going down the race this weekend? You a race guy? No, I'm not, I'm not a race guy. I, I, uh, I, I enjoy it from afar, but it's always a fun weekend. I'm a, I'm a cookout guy. How about that? Hot dogs <laughs> and yeah, you're, you're ready to eat this weekend. I know you, but I know that about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Hey, thank you for making the time. Really appreciate it. Take care, Jared. Be good, buddy. Thanks, Tom. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. I got more Hammer Down show for you next time.